Um, hey, I want to begin the message this morning by telling you about a young guy that was in our youth ministry on the Gold Coast about 11 years ago. And I can't remember how Joe came to be part of the group. I can't remember if a friend brought him or he just heard about it and, and parents dropped him off. But I just remember Joe being around. He was um, quite young at that stage, you know, early high school. He was just a short, quite, quite thin um, kid with dark hair and with glasses. And he was a serious kind of kid. But my clear memory I have of Joe, and, and only remember him being around for a few months before Laura and I moved on, my clear memory is one night we took the group to a combined youth event at a, another church. It was a big group of people, um, loud music, it was a, a wonderful event. Um, but Joe was having this weird um, physical uh, experience that was because of something happening spiritually for him. It was, it was re- quite weird and a little bit unsettling for him. And, you know, it doesn't happen to everyone, doesn't happen all the time. And so it stands out in my mind about how we just helped uh, him kind of think through that and we prayed for him and, and talked through that to try and figure out, okay, is this a medical thing that he needs help for? Is this something else going on? And and the place that we landed with him was that this was something happening spiritually that, that his body was then feeling the effects of, and it was an invitation from God to explore faith and spirituality. And Joe didn't didn't come from a family with Christian parents, and so faith in Jesus was new to him, uh, and that night was quite significant. And so not long after that, Laura and I moved on uh, from the Gold Coast, and we came here to Cairns. And uh, I think I spoke to Joe on the phone once or twice after we were here, and then completely forgot about him. And then three weeks ago, I was on the Gold Coast and had the opportunity to preach at our old church for the first time in 11 years. And uh, at that night service, I remember talking to, to lots of people, um, and then this guy came up to me, and he was really tall and and built, like very muscly and strong. He had long hair, and he was wearing a bandana, like a headband, like karate style, karate kid style. And he looked down at me. And he says, do you, know, do you know who I am? Do you remember me? Now, you know where this story is going, but I didn't know where this story was going. So I looked up at him and, and I had a moment like I'm in that old Peter Pan movie, Hook, with Robin Williams where Peter Pan is all grown up and the boy just kind of like spreads out his face to see, oh yeah, you really are in there. I, I felt like I could have done that with Joe. I could have just spread his face out and gone, I, I can see that young boy there in that grown up scary looking man. And it was him. And, uh, and so we had a chance to catch up and talk and it was so good to hear his story of faith from since the time that I had last seen him. To hear him talk about how him and one of the other young guys from church were still catching up regularly to encourage each other in their faith, to teach each other. He talked about how he was really heavily involved in martial arts and was quite successful in that world and was really aware of the spiritual dynamics at work in the martial arts world and how God was using him in that space. It was, it was so encouraging for me because I had only known him for a little while and then had handed over care and discipleship of Joe to others, to great people. And then some incredible growth had happened in him. My small part in his story had had a significant impact on him because God can do a lot with just a little. And that's the subtitle of the series I'm starting today, which you can see on the screen. Just two weeks, just a short little series called Exponential. God can do a lot with just a little. Because when you make a choice, a decision, 
its effects can ripple out further than you could imagine. When you plant a seed and you nourish it, it can grow into something far beyond your wildest expectations. And when you add your small part to the work that God is doing, he can multiply it into something exponential. So today and next Sunday, I want to inspire you about the lot that God can do with the little that you have, with how little you are, and with your small part in his story. And I want to encourage you with what God can do with us, with our small church, with the small part of the kingdom of God that we call the Lakes Church. Because God has a different economy than you do. His ways of thinking and operating are higher than your ways. It's like he has a different exchange rate. When you offer him something that is, is small in his eyes, he's able to take that and turn it into something way bigger than you could ever do, have done on your own, way bigger than you ever could have imagined. He can take your time and money and skills and experience and energy, whatever it is you have to offer him, and he can cause that to affect more people than you could ever imagine. And Jesus demonstrated this for us in, in the parables that he told, the stories with a point. In uh, Matthew chapter 13, there's a whole collection of these parables Jesus told all about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of heaven in Jesus' thinking and Jesus' words is God's reality. It's the way that God sees the world and the kingdom of heaven exists all around us and it wants to spread within us to the people around us and, and, and to really overtake and to rule over the kingdoms of the world and the kingdoms of our heart. And so one of the parables Jesus told is really short in Matthew 13, verse 31. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and the birds come and make nests in its branches. Now this is true if you think about the movement that Jesus started. It began small, like the smallest of seeds, but over the next few hundred years, Christianity following Jesus grew to become the largest of garden plants. Now, there's something important here I need to show you by way of the photo about mustard plants. Because you can see those trees in the distance. That's how I used to imagine a mustard tree or a mustard plant. And so I imagined, you know, the smallest of seeds, a tiny mustard seed, which I couldn't even show you they're so small. And yet it would grow into a large tree with branches that birds could come and nest in. But those trees in the distance are not mustard trees. The mustard is the yellow that you can see in the foreground. They're just shrubs. They, they are garden plants and they're large garden plants when they grow to their full potential, but they're not trees. You couldn't climb them. They're just large shrubs, but they spread like crazy. They will grow far and wide. That's the kind of imagery that Jesus was talking about. He's saying that my kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, even though it's starting small and even though it, it felt like it had a false start when Jesus died, 
but then began again as he rose from the dead. And as he sent the Holy Spirit, it began to grow and to spread and to take over to the point that we see it today, where the kingdom of heaven is so big and wide that people can come and make it it their home, their spiritual home in its branches. And you can't kill it. You can't get rid of it. Despite persecution, particularly in the East, and despite apathy and declining church attendance in the West, despite doubts, brokenness, and sin and abuses of power by human beings, you can't get rid of the kingdom of heaven. And churches are are really only one evidence of the kingdom existing. They are evidence of the kingdom of heaven, but churches are really only one part because God's reality, God's economy, it sits within and alongside your everyday life. The kingdom of heaven can spread and God wants it to spread in your inner life within you. And he wants the kingdom of heaven to spread in your home and in your club and in your school and in your office and with your friends and on your job site. God wants his kingdom, his reality, his economy to spread in all of those places, but it always starts small. It always begins with a small amount of faith and small actions. So in John chapter 6, we find an account of the feeding of the 5,000 or a feeding of the 5,000 plus. And the disciples are in an impossible situation where Jesus has said, well, you feed all of these people, 5,000 men plus however many women and children were there. There's no human way possible for them to feed all those people. But they find a boy who offers his small lunch. And in John 6 verse 8, we read that Andrew, one of the disciples, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves, small loaves, two fish, small fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? This is all we've got, Jesus. Five and two. They're, they're really small. It's one boy's lunch. It's not a lot of food. We have one boy's lunch. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Now, this small action, this small offering of giving his lunch is going to cost the boy. But he does it anyway. And the disciples bring that small lunch to Jesus and he prays about it, over it. And as the disciples then start handing out food to people, the food multiplies and multiplies and multiplies until there's enough and more than enough for every single person there. Now think with me about the alternatives, the possible alternatives. One is that the boy keeps his lunch because it's his lunch. He brought it. Maybe his mum made it for him. Maybe he caught the fish and baked the loaves himself. But he's the only person in the whole place who thought to pack a lunch. Like, you guys are all idiots and I'm not responsible for your lack of planning, okay? Like, I'm not going to rescue you in this situation. This is my lunch. I'm going to keep my lunch and I will be fed and nourished and have enough energy to walk home again. But if the boy had held on to his lunch because that was all he had, he would have eaten enough. He would have been okay. But there would have been no miracle 
and the 12 disciples and the 5,000 plus people wouldn't have eaten or been blessed. The boy would have kept a little. He would have kept his small lunch. He would have kept a little, but no one would have experienced a lot. Now, think about another alternative is that the boy graciously offers his lunch to the disciples and they keep it. Because they're like, well, we are important. We'll feed the master and then we'll eat any of the fish or loaves that he leaves behind so that we have enough energy. Because at this point in the story, they're pretty tired and worn out and they haven't had a chance to eat. So it would have made sense for, for them to receive the lunch. Thank you, boy. We'll take that to the green room and eat that ourselves while everybody waits for us. They would have had a snack between them, but they would have soon been hungry and the 5,000 wouldn't have been fed or blessed. The disciples would have kept a little, but no one would have experienced a lot. So the small actions of the boy and the small action of the disciples led to an exponential provision, a miraculous supply for the boy, a miraculous supply for the 12 and a miraculous supply for the 5,000 plus and a miraculous supply for us reading it again today in 2023. And so often that's how God's economy works. It's how the kingdom of heaven works, is our small actions, even though they're tiny compared to God's inexhaustible resources, our small actions are turned by God into his miracle for many. God can do a lot with just a little. Now in maths, we call this repeated multiplication or exponents. And so the way of showing numbers that might be too big to display on a screen or on a page. And so we were able to condense that and condense the repeated multiplication to show how many times you'd have to repeat that small number to get the big number. So here's a simple example on the screen that um, two with the, the, the two, the base number with the exponent four, that little four up the top is a way of showing two times two times two times two. So you're multiplying two by itself four times and you get 16. So the exponent, the little number in the top right there, shows you how many times you need to multiply that base number by itself. That's exponents. Now, um, scientists say that there are around 200 billion galaxies in the observable universe. Now, writing all those zeros every time you want to talk about that would take a long time and would be annoying to them, and so they use exponents. And so they say there are 2 times 10 to the 11th power galaxies in the observable universe. Then if we think about the feeding of the 5,000 in God's maths, lunch to the power of God equals enough food for 5,000 plus people. This is, this is God's economy. This is God's reality. These are God's maths. That it doesn't work like our economy or our maths or our reality. God can do a lot with just a little. And your part in the equation is always the base number. The larger number on the screen, but the smaller number in reality, your contribution, who you are, what you have, is always the base number. That's the part that you can control. That's the part that you can choose to offer or not. But the exponent is beyond your control and it's beyond your ability. What God chooses to do with what you offer him is entirely up to him. And our part always starts small. It's the small beginnings of discipleship and care for a boy named Joe. It's 
a mustard seed of faith. It's one boy's lunch. And it's us as a church community saying, God, it seems like you're calling us to love people and invite them to join us in a growing relationship with Jesus. That's our mission statement as a church. On the screen, on the wall, God, it seems like you're calling us that, that, that our purpose, what we're supposed to be on about is to love people and invite them to join us in a growing relationship with Jesus. We don't know how to do that. God, we don't think we can do that. You know, for me, often it feels like just, just my part, my relationship with Jesus isn't growing. It seems same, same, or it seems stale, or it seems a, a long way away from you, God. And then the idea of inviting people to join me and join us in that is, is scary. Like what, what if I invite them and they say no? What if I invite them and they laugh at me? Or worse, what if I invite them they, they start to encounter God and then someone says something stupid to them and they leave. It, I, I, don't know how, I don't know how we're going to do this. And, and even if it was just loving people, just to love the people that are in my life and in my world, it's so hard to love people. You know, some days I feel so overwhelmed, I barely have time to think, let alone to love people that are hard to love. So whether we're talking about our individual situation, my own life, or we're talking about our community situation, our own church, our part always starts small. We're the base number. What do we have to offer to God? In the Old Testament, the prophet Zephaniah had this great revelation from God to a group of people who were about to set out on a building project of the temple. And he says from God, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. I think this is the inspiration for that ad in the song, from little things, big things grow. God doesn't despise the tiny amount of faith that you bring to the table. God isn't worried that all you have is a small lunch. He's even okay with the fact that you've done this much and then you have to rely on others to do the rest. God rejoices. God has joy. God is happy to see the work begin, to see the plumb line, which is the beginning of the building, to set the straight line, just to see that part. God rejoices in that part as they began to build the temple. And God rejoices. He's filled with joy. God throws a party when you offer your small part to begin. Now the question is, will you? Will you offer what you have to God? Or will you keep it for yourself? The little boy offered his lunch when he could have kept it for himself. Do you want to keep your small amount, the little that you have, or are you willing to offer it to God and see what he can do with it? Do you want to hold on to the faith that you have, the energy that you have, the money that you have, 
the skills and the talents and the experiences that you have? Do you want to hold on to those small things or are you prepared to offer them to God and say, God, this, this is what I have. It doesn't feel like enough, but I'm, I'm giving it to you. How would you like me to use it? How would you like me to partner with you with this small thing to see what you can do with it? God, I'm willing to offer my little so that you can take it and do a lot. Now with our church, we have um, a number of mission partners, people who are serving here in Cairns or in other parts of the world um, with different organizations. And some of them we have sent out from our church to do those things and, and others we've, we've met along the way and committed to praying for them and financially supporting them. And this morning I want to in, 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 remind you about the story of Margaret Pashley in the Philippines. Because Margaret's story, like all of our mission partner stories, involves someone who just had a little and God taking that and turning it into a lot. So Margaret first went to the Philippines about 30 years ago to teach in a Bible college. She's a Bible college lecturer. But in her first few years there in the Philippines, she noticed kids on the street, kids who were alone, kids who were begging and starving, and kids who were being taken advantage of and being abused. And so 21 years ago, she set up a way for just a few of them I can't remember how many there was at first, one, two, or three, just a few of them to be cared for in a home environment with trustworthy people. Now today, 21 years later, Margaret and her team lead Center for Change with over a dozen homes, with house parents in each of those homes, with, uh, I can't remember how many, something like a dozen kids in each of those homes, with a school to educate them, with a church to build into their spiritual life, with social workers who are skilled and experienced to partner with the local government and to reconnect them with families where it's possible and to give these kids value and worth and safety and a hope and a future. God took Margaret's life, one single Australian woman who moved to a foreign country where she didn't know the language but saw a need and was willing to offer the little that she had and the little that she was to God. And God took that and turned it into a lot. And she wrote recently, um, she said, personally, I could never have imagined how God would bless this ministry and how we would see so many precious young lives turned around. And I do believe there is much more ahead. But what if she hadn't offered she didn't have to. She could have stayed in Australia. She could still be living in Gladstone, which is where she came from. Or she could have just stayed teaching in the Bible college and, and done a good job of that and helped prepare and send others. What if, what if she had held on to that little growing sense of need and heartache that she had? What if she'd held on to that rather than offering that to God? God was inviting her to take the little she had and, and give it to him so that he could take it and turn it into something big. And all that she did, all, her only part was the base number. Her small part was the willingness to offer what she had to God and leave the fruit, leave the rest up to him because she knew that God could do a lot with just a little. 
And we're going to talk a bit more next week about some of the other dynamics God uses in Joe's story, in the small boy's story, in Margaret's story, about how God uses all of us together and how God uses time to achieve his lot. But for today, I just want to land it on, on you, on me, on our small part. Because in my life, God wants his kingdom to spread and to take over. In my thought life, in my finances, with my family, with the work that I do, with my studies, with my friends, God wants his kingdom and his economy to take over in my life so that I'm living according to his kingdom rather than according to some other kingdom or the kingdom of the world or the kingdom of Jeff. And the way for that to happen, the way for the mustard seed to take root in my heart and my life is for me to offer who I am and what I have to God, to surrender to him rather than hold on to it for myself. To say, God, I'm willing to offer my little so that you can take it and do a lot. And God wants his kingdom to spread in our church and through our church to the world as well. He wants each of us to offer who we are and what we have back to him and to each other so that he can take that and do a lot with the little that each of us brings. Now, I'm the lead pastor of our church, but what I contribute to our church is only a small part compared to the whole. You know, what I and my family give financially does not make or break the budget. We could stop today and things would be fairly much the same when you look at the big picture. But I hope it helps. And the messages that I preach, including the one this morning, does not change the world. Be nice if it did, but but they don't. They haven't so far, but I hope that they help. And the conversations that I have and the prayers that I pray and the meetings that I hold and the benches that I wipe and the people that I meet with and the coffees that I make and the emails that I send and none of those things are perfect. None of those things are complete. None of those things are enough. But they are the little that I have. They are my base number and I offer them to God and I share them with you knowing that God can do a lot with my little. When I think about our church, when I think about the mission and vision that God has given us and and where we're up to, it, it feels too big. It feels too hard. It feels like we're missing it in so many ways. But I want to choose to keep offering what I have and entrusting it to God and entrusting it to you to see what God can do with it. So I wonder if there's some small thing that you have to offer to God that you just want to name for yourself this morning and, and recognize, hey, this, this has cost me. This is costing me what I, what I have been offering. But God rejoices in that. And this morning receive affirmation from him for the little you have been giving. And I'm not just talking about money. I mean, whatever it is that you have to offer to God. You know, those those mundane, boring, what feels like meaningless volunteer roles you've been fulfilling to go, I hope this is making a difference because I can't see it. To go, God, I've been offering that to you and, and to each other. And today I'm hearing that you're pleased with that and you rejoice to see the work begin. And I also wonder this morning if there's anything else 
that's been part of your kingdom that God wants you to share with his kingdom. Something you've been holding out on him with. Something you've been hanging on too tightly to that he's inviting you to trust him with. Your small lunch. At the risk of you not being able to have lunch, but today you feel like God's asking you to surrender it to him. During the next two weeks, during this exponential series, um, I want to share with you a Bible reading plan each week, just for five days. That's um, something around the topic and passages that we'll be talking about each week. And the one I chose for this week is called Double Blessing by Mark Batterson. So he, Mark writes a short devotional, and then there's a few Bible readings each day. And then uh, doing it online means there's a chance to share what stood out to you or questions that you have and to journey through that together. So just for five days this week, it'll kick off tomorrow. I want to invite you to join me in reading this plan, which will just continue our thinking and our devotional life around this idea of what God can do exponentially. Um, It is online based, but you can do it with any device, even just on a browser on your computer. So you can grab it right now. There's a link, there's a QR code, there's one at the info desk, and I'll send an email out tomorrow that has that if you want to join in doing this tomorrow. But just something for us to read and chat about and journey with together as we explore exponential over the next two weeks. But before I finish, before we pray, and we'll leave that up there for a sec while you grab it. But let me encourage you today to continue to be faithful in the small things. Even the boring things, even the costly things, knowing that God can multiply what you give to him. He can multiply your offering, your sacrifice, your efforts, and continue to be faithful in those things. Because Jesus said that faithfulness with those things is a training ground for the big things. Jesus said that faithfulness in small things is a training ground for the big things. He said in Luke 16 verse 10, he said, If you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, then why should you be trusted with things of your own? So not only is the small things that you offer to God honored by him and and rejoiced in by him, but not only are those things exponentially used by God, but those little things you offer are also preparing you for the day when you have a lot to offer because God can exponentially use that as well. God can do a lot with whatever you have to offer him. Let's pause for a moment. Pause for a moment just for you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, to ask God what he might want to highlight in your life, what he might want to celebrate and honor and ways he might want to invite you and challenge you as well. And then I'll pray for us before we sing together. Let's just pause for for a few moments of reflection and prayer. God, I thank you for the, the many, many, many examples throughout the Bible of times that you took something really small 
and did so much with it. That is inspiring to us because so often it feels like we don't have enough. We can't do enough. And what we have is so small. But today we want to trust you that you invite us to offer everything that we have, everything that we are to you. And you want to take the little that we have and do a lot with it for your kingdom, for your purposes, for your name. And so we ask for the courage today and where you're prompting us. We ask for the wisdom to know exactly how and, and, and where. And God, we do ask for the blessing that comes when we give, to know that you rejoice, to know that you'll trust us with more in the future. And so we hold on to those promises today, even when we aren't quite sure and even when we can't see them or experience them yet. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before we sing together, I just had, um, just had this I- image in my imagination as I finished preparing yesterday, which could be God, could just be my imagination. But I was thinking about, you know, not just having a little, but being little. And, you know, kids needing like a, a footstool to stand up to, you know, wash their, wash their hands or, or to do jobs or wash the dishes. And I thought about a child standing on a milk crate. You know, and, and if this is in your childhood, it could be a wooden milk crate if you're of that era, or it could be a plastic milk crate if you're of that era. But I wonder if there could be someone here today who, who had to stand on a, on a milk crate to reach to do jobs. And no one else had to, and it just made you feel so little and, and insignificant. And it was belittling. And I felt like for, for that person today, God wanted to say that you're, you're grown up now, but it's not just you physically that he's talking about. You're grown up spiritually. And even though you were little then, you have a lot to offer him and others now. And that's the way that he sees you. So if that's of encouragement to you, hold on to it. If that makes you go, hey, I want to talk more and receive prayer, I'd love to do that after the service. But we're going to sing. So would you join us in standing and we'll sing together.